Hey everyone, this is Jared Davis. And this is Sam Malazzo. Welcome to the Royal Podcast of Oz. Uh, today we're talking about Oz the Manga by David Hutchison and its sequel... The Land of Oz, the Manga, also in, known in later issues, Return to the Emerald City. This isn't exactly a true manga. You know, it has no, manga-style art, but ordinary mangas aren't the pages like usually printed in backwards, so you have to start reading from the back and work your way to the front. Correct. And sometimes the panels aren't always in chronological order either. Right. Now, for anyone who hasn't seen these, we pity you, because these are some really good adaptations. They're one of the best. Not perfect, but they are one of the better ones. The story sticks very faithfully to Baum's text. He does do his own little flourishes, like he does some expanding with the Wicked Witch of the West in the first series. You mm-hmm. see her early on after uh, the Wicked Witch of the East has been killed and Dorothy's arrived in Oz. But they do not meet each other, so that's one aspect that stops it from being too MGM, thank goodness. And actually, now that you mention her cameo at the end of issue one, that's probably the best we see of the witch's hair, because in the later issues it's smoother and more designer-like. Here, at the end of issue one, with little strands sticking out and being rather... How would you describe Davis? Very unkempt and disorderly. Almost like dreadlocks. And that's the best appearance for the Switch, because she is... Well, we don't actually know if she is old. She doesn't have wrinkles, but she is not a particularly beautiful woman, so her hair matches her personality in the at the end of issue one. I mentioned that uh, Mr. Hutchison puts his own little spin on things here. I love the way he took on the character of the Cowardly Lion. I'm going to say that right now. I like the hairstyle on Boy's Mane. With this way, he looks a little bit like Alan Parrish from the animated series of Jumanji. I like it. Actually, one kind of sad thing about the second series, uh, Land of Oz, the manga, is that, you know, of course the lion wasn't in the story, and he wasn't in the adaptation either, so... So that was a little sad. It was a little sad thing that we didn't see a return of that character. I would say Mm, hopefully he'll do uh, a manga adaptation of Ozma of Oz so we can see that, but we'll talk a bit more about that later. Speaking of um, interesting takes, the Scarecrow and the Tin Woodman are very good examples of this. It was weird for me to see that the Scarecrow isn't exactly as neatly put together as he's seen in many other adaptations. He definitely has more of the structure and appearance of Jack Pumpkinhead with a stick body and what appears to be less straw except for those sticking out of his clothes. On the front cover of the pocket manga in issue one, uh, you can actually see that it's supposed to be bunches of straw tied together there. But that just asked me, how does it stay together so well? And the Tin Woodman takes on traits of TikTok from the book. But I rather quite like the way his speech bubbles um portrayed because he is a mechanical character, so it naturally his speech bubbles would look somewhat mechanical as well. I mean the thing is, is that though it the Tin Woman's kind of a difficult character because he's now in a mechanical body, but he was human. A very big human in stories. You know, I kinda like to think you know, he still is on many degrees still human, but now he's just no longer in a human body. Should we talk about the phone sequence? Because that actually starts this whole issue, this whole series. Alright. I think that's the favorite of quite a lot of us, 
I don't know about everyone else, but it is a favorite of mine. I just love that um, introduction page on the first page with Dorothy in the back short looking at the cyclone just coming towards her. It's, I think it's just a perfect um, portrayal of this chapter in Dorothy's life that will change um, not just her to epic, but her destiny and the course of her life and her family will now go into. I like the cyclone sequence as it's depicted here. It's very action-filled. It's, I guess you could say it's a little scary. I mean, we have a breaking window. Uh, Dorothy struggles to close the door. She falls over. You know, it... And There's a bit of rain and thunder, which is appropriate, makes it look a bit more real and yes. convincing. You know, you can see little bits of the house falling apart in, in it. And, you know, I like that. The, scare, the cyclone is not supposed to be a fun place. It's not supposed to be peaceful. No. If you were in a real cyclone, you would be scared if you were in Dorothy's shoes. Mm. We should mention that one concept from this chapter that is not... Um, carried into the manga is Toto's fall through the cellar. Uh, I guess maybe he thought he already has so much action going on that it just might be overkill if you put it in. But, you know, that is a nice little scene from the book, and especially when you see W.W. Denslow's illustration of it, it just became iconic there. But it hasn't gone into several adaptations. No, not particularly well. Right. But quite... But at the times, it does carry through, so at yes. least we do have the book and the illustrations to go by. Yes. That's good. Yes. Just because it's not an adaptation doesn't mean that you can't enjoy it somewhere else. Isn't that a brilliant double-page spread of the tornado coming up to the farm? Oh, yeah. And does it look like the tornado has already captured another barn? Perhaps. In a lot of adaptations, the cyclone already touched ground. And it moves towards the house and picks it up. But in the book, it actually forms around the house and picks it up. We get a bit of a glimpse of Uncle Henry in Eleven because when the house has lifted, we see a hand at the bottom of the panel almost reaching to the house. And I doubt it can't be Aunt Ham because it doesn't. It looks a little bit too rough to be a woman's hand, so it's definitely Uncle Henry's. When we first saw previews of this issue on the internet, um... The page that had the title of the cyclone wasn't actually Dorothy looking at the tornado itself, but a shot of Dorothy sleeping on a bed from the next page. I think that was to stop people from getting spoiled before they got the actual issue themselves. Do you think that David did a really good job of the house crashing? I mean, the book says it said down gently, but if you think about it realistically, it would not be gentle. I gotta say that Dorothy's very lucky to actually have survived it. With It shows a few little scrapes and bruises on her here, but, you know, she's lucky that she has just that. I really like how, when she's just getting up from the floor, how ravaged the house looks. I mean, it's not complete anymore. There's a giant hole in the roof from the force, from like the falling, the flying, and the crashing. So instead of the light coming into a little window, there's a big skylight from the roof now. What do you think of how he slightly changed how Bach ha has Dorothy spend the night? Um, well, I'm very happy that we actually saw. Um, you're referring to her first night in Oz, right? Like Correct. Over at the Munchkins? Yes. I'm very happy to actually see this in an extended form. Like, we never get to see that in the 
um, any adaptations on film, live action or animation very much. And in the books, it's hardly ever illustrated, just usually just a one page or half a page panel. But I'm very happy that we got a lot of pages for this in issue two. So I do prefer Bok um, being ho hospital to Dorothy rather than Grinwald. Dorothy spends the night with Grinwald. What do you think of the Council with the Munchkin sequence, like Dorothy seeing the land of the Munchkins and being met by the Good Witch and the Munchkins? Uh, it was done very well. Uh, he does seem to stick very closely to Mom's text, though, in, when it comes to the dialogue. I'm just not keen on seeing so much Munchkin population in houses than, like, the trees and flowers and bushes. I don't see any lakes. I was talking with, with another Oz fan, and he and I came to the conclusion that each part of the Land of Oz has its own type of... The Munchkins farm. The Winkies work with metal, so that makes them rather industrial. And Quadlings seem pretty gifted in the culinary arts. The Gillikins, we never really discovered exactly what they might have been. No, not even in the Land of Oz, Banker. And in the Emerald City, it's the big city. Tourist attraction, maybe? Place for touring and gardens, perhaps, you think? From what we see? Oh, yes. Yes. Yeah, come to think of it, the Emerald City as it's depicted here is a bit kind of like a grand amusement park, like Disneyland or... The double-page spread of the Emerald City in the Pocket um, collection is much better than the double-page spread of Issue 4, which, well, there's not a lot of shading or detail in the Issue 4 page, but in the Pocket that is a much better version of the city. Like, there's actually trees, houses, paths, even a fountain and a big lake encircling hmm. the palace, so there's a very... The pocket does surpass the single issue spread of the Emerald City. Speaking of Gillikins, I was a little bit perplexed by the Good Witch of the North. I mean, she's always smiling and her eyes are shut. It just gives me the idea that she has a bit of a hidden agenda, or maybe she's just a little bit too sweet. I think that how a lot of people want to depict the Good Witch of the North is a bit like a grandmother, so this is uber-grandmother. The fairy godmother of fairy tales? Yes. She's kind of like Dorothy's fairy godmother. She gives her a seal to protect her. She gives her the silver shoes. What do you think of when she's drawn? She has a bit of a glow around her. A little bit of shading to show the glow. <laughs> what do you think of that? Oh, it's kind of nice. It makes her feel a little iridescent, like she's not completely a level with Dorothy herself. The comic's printed in black and white, so it kind of helps show that she's different from Dorothy. Because, you know, they're pictured about the same height. It's like in one of these pages you see it from the back. If it wasn't for that little shade, you might think that it could just be another girl just dressed up in, a, in the same costume. They do have a bit of a mm. resemblance. The Munchkins yeah. have a bit of a big head, don't you think? Yeah, I think that's part of the Japanese style in there, where the face is pretty prominent. It's not that in every Japanese thing, but it is when it comes to short people. <laughs> what do you think of the Witch of the East and her silver shoes? Well, you don't see much of the Witch of the East. You only see her feet, and later you get to see a peak of her arm. Mm. It looks like she could have been very much like the Wicked Witch of the West, when you see what little of her dress you can mm. see. Uh, the silver shoes, they're, they're pretty plain and... They're high heels. Not too high heels, but they are very... But just looking at them, like, the shading and detail, they look very solid, very hard. And with the Witch of the East, 
herself, like in terms of her legs, um, she just looks young, sort of, like 30s or 20s, with just so hmm. little detail in her legs, aside from what could be stalking holes. Well, that could go along with my idea I've had for a while that the witches try had that the wicked witches had to preserve their age uh, as long as they could. So they pretty much were like, well. We gotta do it sooner or later, so let's just start while we still look good. Mm -hmm. But, you know, it's not enough for them to stay great, uh, great forever. Okay, now let's move on to another subject, shall okay. we? Okay. Did you like that we actually, that Dorothy almost came across the castle of the East Witch? I thought that was an interesting touch, because, you know, I don't recall ever seeing the Home of the Witch of the East in any other adaptations of Oz. I had... It is in some adaptations of Alexander Volkov's The Wizard of the Emerald City. I wonder why right. um, issue two has a style different to that of the previous one, because issue two looks a little bit more rough, don't you think? It does, now that you mention it. There's, I guess, not a lot here to really go with. It works. It doesn't really, I mean, it does look a little rough, but it doesn't look too bad. No, it actually looks a little bit more classic manga as you progress. Like, after they've met the Tin Woodman, it looks a little bit more like the previous issue, and later ones too. We've already talked about the how we think the Scarecrow and the Tin Woodman and the Cowardly Lion look. Yes, we've talked about them. So I think we might want to go ahead and skip on a bit. Now, people reading this might notice that some stories, some of the items here appear out of place, like uh, the Tin Woodman story. And the Scarecrow story, the Tin Woman tells the story after they meet the lion, yes. and the Scarecrow tells the story right before the poppy field, actually during the poppy field it seems like. And now, there's something that we want to bring up, and that is, the original Oz the manga series had nine issues, where it was the first eight issues that told the story. Correct. And ep issue nine was the epilogue. It's was Dorothy was back in Kansas, and telling her aunt and uncle about her adventures in Oz, and we actually saw a bit from the book that we never saw in the actual issue itself. When they did the pocket manga, they went ahead and edited the the pages from that back in. Problem is, you missed a few pages from the epilogue if you didn't have that, so... Mm, that's a shame. My loss. And actually, you sh it's a good thing you mentioned the pocket um, reprint, because this unfortunately makes a big damage on the issue, because... The Winged Monkeys recall their history with the Golden Cap just before they reached Glinda's, but actually this could have fit much better when they were, after they had melted the witch and were just returning to the Emerald City. Yes, but when they get there, I think they're kind of going for the dramatic vibe that they need to get back to the Emerald City now, so mm. I guess he felt it would work a bit better if he just went straight there. True, but when you look at the Escape from the Hammerheads page, it's no longer a two-page spread. It's a double-sided printed page. And that sort of ruins the image. Like, of the winged monkeys flying over the hammerheads. Should we mention the design right. of the winged monkeys? They're not Denslowish, but they're not MGM-ish either. Hmm. It's a new approach. Can't tell you that. Yes. One thing here is that Dorothy's appearance changes to a... Uh, in when she bosses with the Wicked Witch of the West. Yes, like she actually has two chains. You put on the cover of issue four, her eyes are a little bit more narrow and green. Whereas issue one, front cover, and the pocket manga cover, 
Her eyes are blue and round, but yes, the biggest change is inside the well, manga, unfortunately. It kind of has a base in the book where we never told exactly how long Dorothy was a slave under service to the witch. There is a page that shows the progress of time, like as the bridge and the castle gets built, the weather is what could be sunny. There's rain and there's snow and there's night, so maybe it's some weeks. Like just a few weeks, and her just the working has taken a toll on her. Like she's worn out, but she does look unfortunately yeah. seventeen. I think that he meant that she at least had a growth spurt during her time there. Mm. And it doesn't look like the wicked witch decided to give her any sort of changing clothes. No. Do, do you do you think it would have been uh, better if David had kept? The witch's appearance from issue one instead of giving her different hair and maybe showing her shoes as well. I think that he mostly kept it the same, but I do have to admit, yeah, yes, she does look a little bit cleaner. Maybe you can assume that she somehow decided to get herself ready to meet Dorothy just in case, because, you know, Dorothy's wearing white. She doesn't know exactly what Dorothy is until she actually meets her. Mm. So she could be thinking that Dorothy's a powerful sorceress. Of course, we know the truth. So... But right. the Witch of the West has an assistant, doesn't she? Nestrid. He's quite tall. He's almost as evil as she is. We don't see a lot of him at the end of issue one, but when we see him again in the West, he's much taller than we thought. And he has a bit of a resemblance to Count Olaf from Lemony Snicket's series of unfortunate events. Now, the wizard, in his appearance, I and another fan have compared how he looks to Mark Twain. Mm. I think he looks pretty similar. Maybe. I've never really seen any photos of him, but I always believed that it was Elfin Bomb. I definitely think it lacks or loses its quality during the slavery of the Wicked Witch of the West, like when she's taking the friends hostage, because it looks like Dorothy loses her innocent appearance, and even her clothing is more mature and almost dark like and she's looks so much older now which does lose a bit of the story's charm i think i don't mean to repeat myself but it is one thing that gets me about this series it is a little that the older version gets of dorothy gets to look a little sterner than the younger one but you know it does there's a bit of touch with the characters that in that dorothy's supposed to be an innocent little girl you know you're supposed to look into her eyes and see innocence but if you go before that when dorothy is wearing her gingham gown she has an apron which is just as stenciled which is just as bomb describes it she doesn't have a pink bonnet but and that's not too bad but if you look on the cover like, if it's right. issue one, she doesn't have an apron, which... I think I prefer the apron, it could look cute. I think she looks cuter without the apron. Like, a little bit more manga-like, cause this is an adaptation of an American story, but this is a Japanese-related take, so... Yeah, I do like just how David did the gingham gown without the apron on the cover. That's... it looks great here. And actually, speaking of covers, right. even the Witch of the West has a change of appearance. Look at her on the cover. You'll notice she has a green eye, normal colored skin, and purple hair. But on the cover of issue 6, her skin takes on a bit of a green tone, and her hair could be black, but there's a red light over her. So it just gives the impression that her hair has red highlights. But again, that's just the light. We should mention that since this is a faithful adaptation, we do get to see the journey to the south the search for Glinda, and this is one that's not usually 
portrayed so well or at all. A lot of adaptations either just have them say, oh, let's go to Glinda, and then it shows them arriving there, or it has the winged monkeys take them. But unfortunately, have Glinda appear to Dorothy. I like the idea of a second, although albeit shorter journey. Because I already said that it's a chance for the Scarecrow, the Tin Woodman, and the Cowardly Lion to really discover how to put their newfound traits to use. Mm -hmm. You know, which some adaptations take advantage of, some others don't. It's actually during this journey that we Dorothy gets a bit of her round eyes back, which is quite good. Good to see again. A bit of a return of innocence for her. Mm. She actually has a bit more life back oh, in yeah. her face again. I mean, after seeing her dour face after the past issues, it's quite a refreshing change to see her childlike appearance again. In the same journey, do you think you like the omissions of the fighting trees? The fighting trees, they don't really do much. I mean, a lot of people know them from the MGM movie when they made a appearance right before they met the Tin Woodman, but... Uh, Apple trees, yes. I'm okay with it being done. It's a bit of an interesting scene, but it's an omission that I can live with. We do get to see the China country, which is, well, one of my favorite chapters, because it's the one time they're not in danger or being attacked. Although the wall isn't as high as Bomb describes it. Yeah, they actually had to build, in the book, they actually had to build a ladder, and it's, in here it's almost like they just look over the wall. And we get to see a what could be the hungry tiger here when here's something funny he has a pipe in his mouth <laughs> i guess maybe that's <laughs> a hint to his character like he can't eat baby so he's making up for it with chewing tobacco smoking tobacco in this case <laughs> we should go on to okay. the country of the courtlings shouldn't we and glinda it kind of gives you the impression that glinda's palace isn't very very far to the uh, south of the Emerald City. You know what Glinda's palace reminds me of here? The Ivory Tower from Neverending Story. I was just thinking that. <laughs> Only without the mountains or walks um, almost as tall as the tower. But we see it, that um, David did carry on Denslow's heart from Denslow's original imagery. I guess because the country was red and, you know, you think, what's red? It's usually red, a Valentine heart. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we see the quadling and she's a nice little round woman like Bomb described in his book. Mm. And very friendly and, and very friendly looking. What do you think of Glinda here? Like, her portrayal. I mean, she doesn't really say or do much other than what Bomb writes, but her appearance-wise. You know, Bomb wrote in his books that she was uh, one of the most beautiful women in the land of Oz. And David definitely makes her live up to that title. Mm. She's as good as she is beautiful. She has a bit of a Lord of the Rings appearance, don't you think? A bit like uh, Galadriel. Uh, a bit. I think it works for the character right here because she became the final goal for the story where she's a stately queen who just gives off that eye about her. I'm actually looking in the manga and if you go to the page of Glinda talking to Lion and then turn the page to Dorothy being talked to by Glinda, if you turn the page almost halfway you see that Glinda is talking to Glinda like a mirror image almost. I don't know about you but I'm not happy that David ignored the a proper goodbye to Dorothy's friends. She just says goodbye yes. everyone I'll never forget you and then just clicks the heel to take her home. I mean, she, they've been through so much together, so you think that she would have a bit more of a goodbye than that. I guess we're supposed to assume she's very anxious to return home, but you know, she would at least say a proper goodbye to her friends. Yeah, huggings, kisses, right. maybe a handshake from Glinda, or even a bow to her uh, three friends who are kings now, or curtsies. She would curtsy to them, and they would bow back to her. Because, you know, they owe it all to her. Mm -hmm. What do you think of the return to Kansas? 
done very briefly. It shows the three steps as uh, stepping in sand. I kind of hope that's not the deadly desert. And then water, and then she, she steps her toe on a rock. One of the silver shoes is shown sliding off, and then she suddenly appears in Kansas and... Ow! Ow! Oh, where am I now? And Toto's dizzy. I think it's really refreshing that David gave Antem more lines than just what she says to Dorothy. Like, she talks to Uncle Henry instead of asking Dorothy right. where she's been. That's rather a good change. Henry, Dorothy's right. come back! Here's my thought when it comes down to it. No matter what Dorothy says, Antem doesn't care where Dorothy's been. She, and she's back now. That's what's important. Although she's grown so, a yes. lot more now than she when the cyclone took her. Doesn't Uncle Henry look a bit like Scarecrow when he met her? Like with the clothes and such, with the straps and the shirt. That is a point. Mm -hmm. The costumes are pretty similar. But then again, that's what he wore when the cyclone came, so... I guess it's not really worth mentioning, but it is rather interesting. Right. You know, I'm, I'm just going through these issues, it's such an art. Like, he looks... How he did it is just so impressive, like... Whether he did it all by himself, or whether he had a crew to follow his style, he did a great job um, adapting the original book into eight or nine issues, and then reprinted them all right. in a ish single collection. I commend him right. for his work. It would be really cool if we could actually get him on here. Mm -hmm. <laughs>